The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin. I'm Tom Valentino. No Travis tonight, but we are joined by our old friend, Mark Podolsky, sports editor of the News Herald. Podo, how are you, man? I'm doing great, TiVo. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, we got a big fight night coming up this weekend. UFC 241, Saturday night out in Anaheim at the, the Honda Center. I miss the days of that being called the Arrowhead Pond. I always thought that was like <laughs> one of the coolest names for an arena. It's I know. Bad, it's but, cool. Uh, it, it's great. It's, you know, I was... Uh, doing some reporting this afternoon. I uh, tracked down Stipe in his, in his hotel room in Anaheim. He was a little groggy. I think he had just taken a nap. He said he had gotten in the night before pretty late and waiting for his, uh, his team to roll into town. He, and it's kind of interesting. His wife is going to be there and his, his one-year-old daughter, Mila, who we can talk about a little bit. She's an interesting uh, side note to this fight. He's, you know, he's very inspired to when they, prove to his daughter when she's old enough to show him, look, it's not about, you know, that famous line from Rocky Balboa. It's not how hard you can get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and then get up and keep moving forward. He wants to prove to his daughter that, you know, look, you know, yeah, I had a great run, but you know what? Sometimes you get knocked down and it's about getting yourself back up off the canvas and fighting and, you know, trying to become champion again. I think it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, let's talk about it. So it was 13 months ago. Stipe was the uh, heavyweight champion of the world, had recorded uh, the most successful uh, title defenses in the heavyweight division in UFC history, and uh, had a fight with uh, Cormier. And, you know, I, I think at the time he was favored going into that fight. And you had Brock Lesnar sitting uh, outside uh, in the front row. And I think there was a lot of talk at that time anyway that you know once Stipe gets done with Cormier he can move on to, to a super fight with Lesnar and and uh you know all hell broke loose in the first round for him there and obviously uh, the, the whole Lesnar thing unraveled and and you know he kind of did a pretty contrived little uh confrontation with Cormier after that fight was over but uh what what went wrong for Stipe in that last fight I think you know, I, I, I've I've talked to him, I've talked to his manager, I've talked to his, his coach, you know, and I'm certainly not going to sit here and make excuses for Stipe. And I, and I don't think his coaches and his manager are making excuses for him. But, you know, this is a guy who kind of went through the ringer, you know. I think he had three fights in about 15 months, and he had just gotten married and, you know, just had a baby, and then he just moved into his house. And I do think this is a guy that do, that he likes his privacy. He enjoys being champ, but I don't think he likes all the, the obligations that are involved. And I'm I'm wondering if, you know, I wonder if complacency got to him. I wonder if just that grind of always training, always fighting, took its toll. And 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 you ask what happened. I always say this about this division, a heavyweight, and you're talking about whether it's boxing or whether it's UFC or any other combat sport. When you get these heavyweight guys in there, all it takes is one punch and it's over. And the best plans can go out the window. And you saw that with Cormier. 
Stipe made a big mistake. He got in the clinch. That's what Cormier wanted to do. And if you go back and watch the, the film, it's, you know, he gets him in the clinch and he breaks out. And I remember Cormier, I was at the you know, news conference after the, the bout. He said, you know, we studied that tape. When you get Stipe in the clinch, he comes out of it. He lowers his arms. And, and, and it's, I mean, it's, it was such a strange thing to watch at, at ringside or at the octagon side, however, whatever you want to say. You know, he, he drops that those arms and in one split second it's over and that's how fast these these titles these belts can change hands especially in a heavyweight division so in a nutshell i think it was it was a it was a big error by stipe i think it's one that he'll learn from but in in the grand scheme of things we'll see how he responds you know he, he he's taken a year off which he says has helped him immensely you know, refresh. He says he's refreshed mentally and physically. And I do think there's something to that in this sport. You know, when you can kind of recharge yourself and we can get into Cormier's health, he's been through a lot in the last six months himself. So it's a long-winded answer to say exactly what went wrong. I think I'll, there's, there's a, there are a lot of different branches of, of, of what kind of went wrong. And we'll see how he responds. That's really the most important thing we're looking at now with him. Why did it take so long for this rematch to happen? Well, Brock Lesnar, mostly. I would think Dana White, mostly. Those two. I think Daniel Cormier. You know, um, the thing with Stipe, and he'll, he, he, he won't say this publicly, but privately he has told me, like, you know, there has been – he's butted heads with the UFC. They They want him to – um, I don't know about change his image, but just maybe work on his image, I guess, so to speak. But he's told me, he goes, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And if it's not good enough for them, then that's tough. So, you know, what's what's happened is that his his pay-per-views, they don't do great numbers. They do okay numbers, I think. You know, you'd probably have to ask UFC. But, you know, Dana White is looking for a, a Cormier. He was looking for a Cormier, Brock Lesnar which would have done pretty well, I would think, with pay-per-views. And um, for whatever reason, you know, no one's really ever made public. You follow the wrestling scene more than I do. You know, he is, Lesnar was in and out of, yeah, I'm in UFC, now I'm out, now I'm back in the WWE. Is he even wrestling now, Lesnar? Yes, and he was the the top champion of the uh, Monday Night Show up until this past Sunday. The WWE (laughs) had their big... SummerSlam pay-per-view and and uh he had won the title about a month ago and and lost it back and uh kind of interesting to watch that actually I I caught the the back half of that pay-per-view and they they for the last five years or so WWE I think has been extremely careful with how they've presented him as kind of this unbreakable unbeatable almost mythical figure and that was the first time it really they really had him kind of throw the whole arsenal at somebody and just flat out lose, which I thought mm. was kind of surprising to watch. I mean, I know obviously it's, you know, it's scripted and, and you don't have that in, in UFC. Um, but I think there is something to be said for how guys are presented in their matches and in, in the politics that go into that. And it kind of felt a little bit like, 
the the mystique was uh, was dinged a bit. So I'm kind of interested to see what happens in the professional life of Brock Lesnar going forward. Because you know, like you said, we've been hearing these rumors of him jumping back into UFC now. It feels like for years, and right. I think he's kind of leveraged that into better paydays with WWE. And yeah, almost, not, it, it seems at times like he's playing both sides of the fence and. You right, know, making himself a ton of money in the process. Yeah, and I think there was all these rumors, and I think there might have been some even even some confirmed reports where, he, where he was asking for the you know, open the vault to come back to the UFC, and I think Dana White was like, you know, hey, let's let's you know, I think a lot of it had to do with this ESPN Plus deal, and a lot of it, you know, I think they're I think they're doing really well because I think this ESPN Plus is anchored by what the their what ESPN's what the UFC has given them. In terms of content, so I think that maybe lessened, um, whatever they're you know I think I, I think what I'm saying is I think maybe it was a financial boon for them with the with the ESPN Plus deal, to where, you know they weren't so really reliant on these single paydays, of or not these, these single paydays these single uh, big events the Conor McGregor's you know trying to get a Brock Lesnar, um, big big pay per view event and maybe they're saying maybe it wasn't wasn't worth to what he was asking and um you know like i said you know and, and who knows what the what this he was always being rumored with peds violations and you know all that stuff and you know you can criticize ufc for a lot of things you can't really criticize them they're pretty tough on their their drug testing they really are so um i'll tell you what though if you want to get a, a rise at a steep a meal just just name just just say brock lesnar and that guy <laughs> not a fan so to speak. So um, it would have been interesting if those, if Cormier and Lesnar would have fought and if Lesnar would have somehow won, which I thought well, he would have had zero chance if they would ever paired up Lesnar versus Miosic. That's never going to happen. We, what we're talking about today is Cormier and Stipe. And I think that's, that's important. And I think that's what fans of UFC want to see, not Brock Lesnar, at least in my opinion. So you think, like, let's say hypothetically Stipe wins on Saturday night, there's no potential Brock Lesnar fight just kind of pushed back a year from what might have been envisioned yeah, in the I'm past? Never, yeah, I'm never going to say never. But, you know, okay, Daniel Cormier is 40. He's going to be 41 next March. I think Brock Lesnar is 42 or closing yeah. in on 40. I mean, this guy has not fought. A legitimate bout, I think, in seven or eight years in the UFC. He fought, I think, in 2014 and ended up being vacated or whatever, just wiped off the board because he got busted for PEDs. So, I mean, I, I, you know, he could go out there and, and do it again, but, you know, he's got the name. He's going to draw people in if, if he fought. It would be like kind of a novelty, you know what I mean? Right. But I think, That's exactly I, the word I was thinking. I don't think he was staying a chance against either of these guys, to be honest with you. I think, I think, I think this is going to be a, a really interesting uh, fight. I do think these are these these are clearly the two best heavyweights in the UFC, um, and I think it's an important fight because I think if Stipe wins, I think there is going to definitely be a trilogy. I mean, Cormier is talking about retiring. I, I doubt he'll retire if they if he's got another fight with Stipe on, on, on the books. I mean, we can also get into this. There's always this, this, the John Jones rumors, you know, but he's a light heavyweight. I don't see Cormier ever going back down to light, light heavy. 
and would Jones ever come up to heavy? That would be the biggest, biggest thing. Because the, well, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say. Let me ask you this: with Cormier, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at his fight history here. You know, he beat Stipe last July. He had one heavyweight title defense in November. And I don't think he has fought since then. You mentioned something with him within the past six months. What, what's been going on with him and why has he not fought in, uh, you know, nine well, months or whatever here? This is, this was also which made this relationship between these two guys a little weird. Let's, let's go back a little bit. So I don't know if you remember before they fought last July, the um, UFC hosts, uh, this reality show on FS1 called The Ultimate Fighter. So what they did, they pitted teams of like six to eight fighters on each side, and they fought each other. Well, they had coaches, and they and they had Stipik as the coach on one side and Cormier on the other. And it was all a, a thing to push and promote up to the, the UFC event in July. So, they, you know, they were real, you know, cordial to each other and, and friendly. And then all of a sudden it just kind of went a little wonky as the fight, you know, came closer. And then we also, what Cormier did, he wins by first round knockout. And then Stipe is coming off, you know, what he's, what no heavyweight has ever done. He's won three straight title defenses. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm one of the best, if not the best heavyweights I deserve a rematch and like we said you know why it didn't happen is that you know this lesnar thing but then as 2018 is coming to a close you know steepay's manager jim walter who's a local guy from san ignatius good guy he, you know they're, they're they're pushing hard and and then all of a sudden you know cormier says i'm not i'm not ready or i'm i'm a little banged up and then all of a sudden they got a fight card in new york city and then Okay, they offered, you know, Jim Walter, his manager, told me they offered, hey, we'll fight this guy. We'll, I mean, you know, we'll fight Cormier. And he, he told me that the UFC quote told him, quote, Cormier is not available. But then he fought Derek Lewis, who was like a top five contender. And he, he easily took him out by, I think, first or second round submission hold. So then... 2018 comes to a close. 2019 is here, and I'm, then there's all these rumors. What she confirmed, he'd had uh, some sort of hand injury, and he had a back surgery. So that really clouded things for the early part of 2018. That's why. That's another factor why I think the court, the uh, Lesnar thing kind of hit a snag with the money and then this injury. So it's it's just been a a weird stretch. For both these fighters, you know, and, you know, and that's what I was, you know, talking about earlier in the show that, like, you know, come off a of back surgery, you know, he looks, he, you know, they're playing these embedded videos on uh, FS1 now, UFC does this to tout these big events and he looks good. He looks, he looks like he's okay, but you no know, back surgery is nothing to, to mess around with. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much the reason why, uh, uh Cormier's kind of been in and out of, you know, the headlines. It's it's, it's been an odd situation. Whereas long Stipe is just kind of sitting back there, like, "Hey, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go." And it's been a waiting game for Stipe for sure. 
You think it's been a good move for Stipe to not take any other fights with anybody else in the meantime and just keep calling for Cormier, even if it meant waiting for over a year? I would have, uh, you know, at, as as 2018 was winding down, I, I kept thinking, you know, you know, maybe they need to change their approach. And their manager, or him, sorry, his manager, Walter, told me that, they were about ready to look look elsewhere. They were steadfast. They were like, it's either Cormier or nothing. And then he st- they started wavering a little bit. But personally, I think he would have been best served fighting, you know, a top five guy just to stay sharp. And But they have their reasons, and they feel confident that, you know, this break has helped him. So, you know, I'm going to go with, you know, what they're telling me. and But – uh it's a tough one. It's a tough one. You know, it, it you know, Steep is going to be 37 next Monday, which is two days after the fight. You think that'll be a pretty crazy birthday party if, if he wins the belt? <laughs> yeah, if he wins. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the thing. If he wins. So, but, uh, you know, we shall see. It'll be interesting. Well, you said you talked to Stipe today, and uh, I believe you said you woke him up from his nap. So, uh, Stipe fans, if you're listening, if he uh, doesn't look sharp this week, you can blame Mark Podolsky uh, for interrupting his sleep schedule uh, ahead of the big fight. But uh, all kidding aside, um, what uh, what was his mood like today, and 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 what's the the tenor around his camp right now? Are they, you know, a lot of waiting, a lot of build up? Uh, the moment's just about here, though. Yeah, and I, you know, I asked him that. You know, just he's confident. I think he's he's no nonsense. He, no nonsense. He's confident. He's ready to go. And you know, he. I think he's. I think he's confident, but I think he's chopping at the bit. I think he's just waited for this rematch for so long that he was like, "Wow, it's he." I think he said something like, "It's for it's surreal that it's finally here." You just you you wait this long and you, and you feel like, "Is it ever going to happen?" And it, and it's here and. Um, you know, like I said, confident, and he, I think he's just ready to go. All right. Well, you will have a story when Sunday, I assume. Yeah, I'm not going to be in Anaheim. It just, it just didn't work out for me to get out there. But uh, I am working remote, and I do have some, you know, interviews set up to talk to him after the fight. And we do have uh, a newspaper out in Orange County. The Orange County Register is, is within our media news group chain, so they're going to help. Uh, with us getting some content, some photos and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to it. It, it. It's interesting. You know, I think a factor that's really big with this fight is, you know, who's more motivated and who's got feeling, who's feeling more pressure. I think, I think, I think Stipe is going to be motivated. Just, it's only natural, right? You lose the belt and you just, you just, there's just something extra. I think that's going to drive you. And who's got more pressure on him? I think Stipe has got more pressure on him. You know, if he loses this fight, he's 0-2 versus Cormier, and where does that leave him? You know what I mean? It's just, it's you know, he's got to win this fight if, you know, he wants to get this belt back. Because I don't know when he would get another shot. I mean, he would definitely probably still, he would still stay in the top five. I don't know where he'd end up in the rankings, but it could be a while until he got another title shot. And he's, you know, like I said, he's turning 37 this Monday. He's not getting any younger. So it's a, it's going to be really interesting to see 
you know, how this all plays out. I can't wait to watch. That's kind of interesting, just the heavyweight division in general. I mean, who are the three guys we've talked about here? Stipe, Cormier, and, you know, Lesnar lurking in the background. And Stipe is what? He's the youngest of all of them, right? Right. And even he's not really that young anymore by uh, MMA standards. So, uh, you know, it, uh, it's going to be, uh, I'm with you, I think, in that, you know, if, if he's kind of pinned it all on getting this rematch and held out for this long, this is the one fight he wants. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's do or die time for him. So it's a, uh, it's a legacy fight. There's no question about it. I mean, you, you, you'll, he wins this fight. I, there's no denying he's the greatest heavyweight in the history of that of, of USC. I mean, there's no denying it. I mean, like to, because, you're right, you know, right now Cormier is they're saying he's the best one of the best UFC fighters, period. And he's he's pound per pound number one in their rankings right now. You know, if he didn't have to relinquish the light heavyweight championship, he would still be holding both belts. So, I mean, like I said, there's a Jones factor, John Jones factor that could play into all of this down the road. I mean, you know, there's this Francis Nganu who 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 uh Miosic beat in Boston last winter or two winters ago he's he's kind of come back and made himself a factor but right now man it's just it's cormier and it's miosic and it's it's gonna be interesting to see because i another factor too is there's a lot of a lot of great buzz buzz is building now but it's been a slow build and a slow buzz to this thing because you know everybody's thinking football right now everybody's thinking high school football college football the browns you know and, and all of a sudden you're, you're plopping this fight in the middle in the middle of August. It's just it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, especially here at the Cleveland market. Um, yeah, with uh, you know the Browns at a fever pitch, and you know the Indians have been on fire. So uh, you know Stepe, everybody here loves him, but uh, maybe not quite top of mind as just given uh, where we're at on the sports calendar. But uh, I'll be on the road on Saturday night, but I think I'm going to have to make an effort to to try to watch this. this Feels like it's going to be a fun fight, one way or the other. I will say this: um, I think this is going to go more than four minutes. That's just my bold, that's my bold prediction. I'm not going to pick. I can't pick a winner. This thing is so damn tough to pick. I just think that there's so many factors. Um, but the first one was over in about four minutes and about twenty five seconds. I think this goes past round one. I hope it does. I want to. I would like to see this go into the third, fourth round. I think it'll be a great test of will. Who's the tougher guy? Who's the more conditioned guy? And who's the mentally stronger guy? Because, you know, th- these guys aren't going to give an inch. They're, they're, they're so damn tough. And, and, you know, that's what I really i am looking forward to. I want to see this thing go stretch into the third, fourth round. Who, who's got that? Who's got the guts to, to just grind this, this thing out? Because that's what, what, it, what it might take. Um, can't wait to watch. Well, I'm sure everybody who is uh, going to be getting one of those package deal uh, subscriptions for ESPN Plus and the fight uh, that I keep seeing promoted online uh, are hoping you're right and they get the, the full bang for their buck. Yeah, right. But, uh, exactly. <laughs> let's uh, hey, let's shift gears. You mentioned uh, football, high school football. Obviously, such a huge deal for the News Herald. One of my favorite things to cover uh, back in my days at the paper. Uh, huge time of the year for you guys. Um, what what's uh, what's going on in the office right now? I'm sure you guys are uh, up to your ears and uh, covering two days and getting the the tab ready and uh, getting ready for the season to start. Yeah, you know it's 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 huge. It's always 
it's always so much fun to go out and talk to these kids and, you know, see the excitement. I think there's really, I don't think there's any more excitement than at Menor because, you know, they got, they do, they do lose some players from last year, a lot of good linemen, but you know, the big, the big thing is this is the last go around for coach Steve Chirisano. And you talk about a guy who's just put that program on the map. I mean, I know they haven't won a state championship and, you know, I'm not going to ding them for that. I mean, going to try to win a big school state championship in football is is so tough. You're talking about a guy who I think in 23 years, I think, or 24 years, been the four division one state championship games has come close a couple times. And, you know, just, just, I mean, I, I always talk to people about mentors, like not just a high school football program. They're like a small, they're like a small college football program. It, it, it It's such a, it's such a pro like quote program the way they built it. And I'll tell you what, it's, you know, Steve Trevisano, you know, he, he, people love him or they hate him, but you got to respect the guy just for what he's done. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what, the reason, another reason why you got to respect that program. I mean, look what they did last year. They started the season against St. Ignatius and St. Ed went two and in the, those games. And they got to do the same thing this year. Think about that. That's that 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 is there ain't a lot of schools anywhere in the state that, that would take on that kind of schedule. Yeah, before we hit the record button here and got rolling, you and I were talking a little bit. They've got a big one in, in week one, right? Yeah, they're playing uh at Lakewood Stadium. They're going out to play St. Edward. And you talk about a headliner. And I think it's really cool the way it's set up this year because they're playing that game on a Thursday night. And the reason they're playing this game is that with the way Lakewood and Byers Fields work on the west side, those are those are stadiums are hosts for so many different schools, public schools, and you know you're talking about Lakewood High School, and then you know for Byers you got Holy Name and not Holy Name, I, Normandy, the the Parma schools out there, Valley Forge. So what, the way it worked is that um, they originally wanted to schedule this game on a Saturday, Lakewood Stadium, mm-hmm. and then Menor would play. Uh, Ignatius the next week on a Friday and Trevisano was like, are you kidding me? You, you, you know, I, we, we need that extra day. He goes, I, there's no way we can play this game. These, these, we can, there's no way we can play this schedule and not have the full seven days off to recover, to get ready for Ignatius. So it was either we got to move this game to Thursday or we're not playing this game. And I, and I totally agree with that. But I think it's a, it's a great, it's a win-win because it gives the fans um, their own night. It's, I mean, that's, that's really cool. You know what I mean? If you're, even if you're not a fan of either of these schools, I mean, who wouldn't want to go out there and watch that game? That That's just going to be a fun game to watch. I mean, you're talking about defending division one state champions and St. Ed's and I'm sure they're going to be loaded again. And Mentor has got, they're going to have talent. You know that they got a kid who's going to Boston college and Luke Florier, their uh, receiver. And they got a, Watch out for this quarterback that got his only a junior, Ian Kip. He's going to go big time too. Menor's going to be fun. Men, you know, Menor's they're fun to watch no matter what. Yeah, it's a. They it kind of brought uh, offenses. I feel like in this area, uh, into the the next generation, so to yeah. speak. I mean, it's become a little bit more prevalent now, but they were one of those teams that was spreading it out and throwing it around very early on when a lot of other teams were still, you know, pounding the rock. 50 plus times a game. So yeah, uh, yeah there's no question. It's a, it's a fun program. 
Um, I'm just kind of interested and I'm, I'm curious to know from your perspective with the way you guys approach covering high school sports now and, and just like what those Friday nights, like during football season, like how you guys approach it now versus, you know, when I was there, you know, 10, 12 years ago, um, you know, it, we've got social media, you've got, you know, videos and, and so many other things online now. And, you know, what you guys are doing, um, multimedia, it's not just like, Hey, open up the paper on Saturday morning to look at all the box scores that, you know, I was typing in as a clerk a hundred years ago. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's so much more than that now. And I'm just kind of interested in, in, you know, how you feel like things have changed in maybe the last decade or so. Well, it's mostly, you know, you want to go out and cover, you know, as many games as you can as possible. But you also want to, I think you want to tell the stories beyond the game, too. You know, I mean, if, you know, I think the biggest effort we made with covering high school football, in particular high school football, like, there's all, you know, obviously, you know, basketball is big and wrestling is, is big in this area. But, you know, high school football is by far and away number one. We try to provide content, not just on Friday nights and not just in Saturday's print editions. I mean, we try to always give the readers something every day of the week in the fall for 10 straight weeks. I mean, Sunday, whether it's Monday, I mean, Monday, Tuesday, I mean, every day of the week, because you, you, you got to feed the beast. You know what I mean? And it's just, sure. you can't just, you know, hey, we'll gear up everything for the weekend. And so we're talking about, you know, we joined forces with Tony Fisher. Oh, gosh. It's been more than ten years now, and he's been so he's been so great to put his name on our Player of the Year award. You know that was another thing that was big for us. You know, like you know, if you just say the Fisher Award now, and in Lake County and in, in on the East Side, I think if you follow high school football, you know what that means. And I think you know that is something that's really cool. And we had a nice relationship with the Hooli House. That's another factor that's changed over the years. You know going out to Hooli House, getting a, a social media presence out there. They do a great job hosting a lot of our, uh, you know, like preseason shows and they do the, they host, um, we hand out the Tony Fisher award there. Tony shows up. That's really cool. I mean, you know, and then, you know, just, you know, doing features and spotlight, spotlighting these kids and these coaches and these teams as much as possible. Um, our top of the crop. It's always been, you know, really popular, you know, our, our high school football way we pick them. We even have this person called the mask Marvel who really no one knows who this <laughs> mysterious figure is, but uh, you know, he hasn't been the greatest picker of late. Yeah, I, think I, I was going to say, I was looking at the, uh, the standings from that the last couple of years. I think there's probably a reason he's concealing his identity there with uh, I know. the way he's fair. That's uh, he's got to get it together. He's been around for for a long, long time, but it's you know we try to make it as fun as possible, and um, we try to give we try to give the the major league f- flavor to high school football and you know high school sports in general. And it's you know I think you know when you're a suburban newspaper like we are, the News Herald, you know we can't really compete with the way the market is, the way the, the resources are changing with the newspapers all over the, the country. You try to find your niche. And what we do best is high school football, high school sports. And that's kind of what we, what, what we put our resources behind. And I think, I think the readers enjoy that. 
Absolutely, man. It's, it's great stuff. And uh, you can get a little UFC coverage as well uh, Absolutely. this weekend. So uh, good stuff all around. Poto, it's been fun as always to catch up with you and uh, look forward to seeing what you come up with uh, this weekend from the, the Stipe fight. Yeah, I, t- 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 I appreciate you not asking me for my prediction of the fight. For one, it's just a really, really tough call. But number two, the last time I was on this show, I think it was the uh, we do our annual bowl preview, and I think I did pick Notre Dame to be Clemson. So that's not that's a little embarrassing. Don't you agree? I, I, I would have let that go. You're you're an honest man. <laughs> I respect there you go. It. There you go. <laughs> All right, uh, Mark Podolsky, sports editor of the News Herald. Uh, thanks again for joining us. That is going to do it for us for this week. You can always subscribe to The Nail in the Coffin on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're also on Stitcher, the TuneIn app. You can stream us on waitingfornextyear.com. We'll be back at it probably next week. I'm guessing we're going to be talking about the Indians. Uh, They got it going on here. Uh, It's been a fun summer over these last couple of months, and uh, we need to catch up uh, when Travis gets back in. Maybe we'll see if we can wrangle up a guest as well. But uh, thanks again to Mark Podolsky for joining us here tonight. Uh, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin, and we'll talk to you again soon. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.